Hello, and welcome to the Tom's Hardware Show. I'm your host, Sharon Harding, and today we're chatting with Pixio and getting some clarity on NVIDIA's RTX 30 gaming laptops. So let's kick things off live. Yes, we are live as always and taking questions from the audience. So if you have anything you want to ask, just drop your question into the chat on Facebook or YouTube and we'll try to answer it live on air. Joining me today is Tom's Hardware staff writer, Michelle Earhart. How are you, Michelle? I'm good. How are you, Sharon? Doing well, thank you. And we also have Pixio Operation Manager, Kevin Park here. What's going on, Kevin? Good. How are you guys? Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. Kevin. Thank you for coming in. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you on um, monitors because monitors have always been an, an important part of the PC setup. Of course, I'm biased because I cover monitors here. But, you know, as people started working from home a lot recently due to the pandemic, we've been reminded how important monitors are. And stock has been going in and out as well. If you've been watching or shopping, you'll definitely mm -hmm. see that. And I know Pixio makes some great budget monitors. Tom's Hardware has tested a few of them. Uh, so for those who aren't familiar, Kevin, what is Pixio? So um, Pixio is actually a, a gaming monitor brand that was developed in 2016. Um, and we are actually based in SoCal. So uh, we are a U.S. brand uh, in, based in Torrance, uh, California. But basically, our, our, our brand focus has always been, um, you know, Know, reaching out to the consumers and finding out you know uh, especially on an enthusiast level for for gaming specifically and how we can bring um, these affordable uh, options to to other gamers who may not be able to afford you know some high performance or high you know high uh, it's very expensive gaming monitors to be specific so uh, just just the background about us uh, you know we are a display company focused on creating high quality and high performance gaming monitors you know, at affordable prices, uh, you know, just a couple of gamers originally that we started out and trying to see, you know, um, gathering as much data as we could and, you know, get a feel for, you know, what's right uh, in the gaming industry, especially when esports was blowing up, um, starting, I believe, around 2015, 2016 is when it actually started to take off. And obviously, you know, most most viewers might already know, you know, you know, especially when like League of Legends, you know, Fortnite, you know, it, it became a more viral thing and more of a trend. But, you know, we are focused on growing and beco becoming a part of the esports community. And, you know, we are constantly trying to adapt and involve in, or in order to provide, you know, the gamers the tools that they may need to instill, whether it be fear or, you know, conquer all adversaries on a gaming level. I love that attitude. Fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, it looks like you have a couple of screens behind you. Yeah, so um, you know, uh, one of the one of the big things for us is trying to, uh, you know, our mission is here is to help you guys uh, enjoy gaming affordably, and um, you know, throughout the years, you know, we first started off in 2016 bringing out uh, one of the first brands to ever bring out a 27-inch uh, IPS 1440p uh, gaming monitor that's like around $400, and at that time, you know that. Uh, there wasn't any brand who did that, and the closest thing you could get, you probably had to, you know, you know, break the wallet there around 600 and more, um, and that's when usually when the when the IPS boom started happening and everyone was kind of going into you know 
uh, choosing between different monitors, and then obviously you have a difference between playing with FPS and non-FPS type of games. So, you know, which is why the IPS trend started blowing up. But um, you know, from there, you know, we kind of blew up on Reddit uh, as one of the most affordable uh, high-end uh, gaming monitors. And then, you know, over the years, we try to bring out new more models and new models after that. And this year, you know, we're starting off Q, uh, quarter one very strong, and we're hoping to, you know, increase these demands, you know, especially during this difficult time right now. Uh, but we did um, launch two, two new models earlier this year. We do have two more models coming up. But right now we do have um, the PXC327, which is a 32-inch uh, 1440p uh, VA curved uh, gaming monitor that has a 165 hertz refresh rate, free sync, and um, uh, at a 2K, 2K level. Um, and then it does come with a one uh, millisecond motion picture response time as well. And then on the smaller screen that we have here is a 24-inch flat uh, 1080p entry-level gaming monitor. Originally, we brought out uh, the first model of it called the PX248 Prime, and uh, starting this year, we'll be bringing out some variations of it. So, for for example, this one right here is going to be an upgraded model, which is going to come with uh, 165 hertz refresh rate instead of our original uh, 144 hertz refresh rate. We will still have two of the variations available, and we're also bringing out. Uh, if I can provide a little sneak peek, uh, it's going to be called the PX248 Prime Advanced uh, model, which is also going to be uh, what we consider nowadays a fast IPS of uh, basically one millisecond G2G. Uh, but the other two that we have right now, and this new model is going to be called the PX248 Prime S, which is available now. So we at Tom's Harder, we have not gotten to check out the Prime S, but we do have a review of the PX248 Prime. So if anyone's interested, um, definitely take a look. We have a question from Javier asking about um, the lack of graphics cards. There's been um, a deficit when it comes to next-gen graphics cards. It's really hard to find them in stock. Um, has this affected your side of the business at all when it comes to gaming monitors? Like, have been people buying less monitors, perhaps, because they can't get the GPUs? Or right. So uh, if, if I can go into that, it, it to be honest, it's not just uh, you know graphic cards. I feel like it's affecting anything in the electronic industry, especially around PC gaming, because of you know due to COVID and and the recent activity, especially in 2020. Um, you know, everyone working at home, these demands went up because people needed these. Whether especially you know like uh, game, uh, monitors itself, because people have to work from home, uh, remote, uh, and then also at the same time you have students and, and teachers who need to also teach at home. So these students also need some type of display. So which is why the demand has gone up for monitors, at least for us specifically. And at the same time, you know, um, a lot of gamers are uh, are able to still play. And that's one of the way, you know, some of those gamers are able to escape from reality and, and kind of try to have a little peace in our time. So we did have a demand increase. Um, but the lack of graphic card, I would say, is not affecting us specifically, but because of the demand right now, it affects anything that's electronic, especially with the demand uh, demand right now in the market. Yeah, and I will say I don't have, you know, I'm not on the corporate side, I'm not looking at the numbers, but from a casual viewpoint, you know, we, I maintain our best gaming monitor roundup, so I'm always checking those pages to ensure the monitors on those pages are still in stock. And it's been, I've been doing this since I started working here, but yeah. the pandemic started, the stock has been changing almost on a weekly basis because the demand is just so high. Um, right. 
so Pixio is all about, um, you know, trying to keep the price um, at a decent, um, accessible point. Um, did, can you remind us, do you know the pricing for those two monitors behind you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the 32 inch uh, curve screen that we have brought out this year is going to be uh, retailed right now. Selling price is uh, $309.99. Uh, the average models or other brands that typically bring out something similar to this would range between, uh, you know, $350 to $600, I believe. And uh, we're pretty much one of the most competitive, I would say, in this model. And, you know, we do have another 32-inch model, which is the flat version of this called the PX329. And typically, we were one of the most competitive uh, brands out there for that spec as well. Um, for the smaller one, the 248 Prime um, S, uh, the regular one, we did sell at $169.99. And even for that one, we're probably uh, the most competitive or budget uh, gaming monitor out there uh, for that spec. And then the Type S that we brought out uh, recently, uh, it just was available this month in February 1st. Uh, it's going to be retailed right now at $179.99. And um, I believe uh, in the market right now, we still have the most competitive uh, in terms of budget gaming at the spec and performance that it does provide. Um, so Michelle, when you shop, I don't know when the last time you were able to buy a new gaming monitor, but when and if you do, is there a price weak spot for you? And what are you willing to sacrifice to get there, be it size, refresh rate, features? So I think the price sweet spot for me is anywhere in between $150 to $250. Uh, and to get in that sweet spot, I'm someone who really likes high refresh rates. Um, even if they're not, you know, even if I'm not good enough at the game to take full advantage of them, they just look really satisfying to me to just like click and get a fast response and to see all those beautifully crafted frames. Um, so that's normally what I prioritize, which means I'm willing to uh, sacrifice things like uh, resolution. Uh, I'm still fine playing at FHD. Uh, you know, but I'm running a GTX 1080, uh, which is still pretty great for FHD, right. but if you're going for 4K or whatever, um, that's a little more iffy. So, you know, I'm also not 100% sold on curved yet, so mm -hmm. I also prefer my flat, I guess flat and fast is, <laughs> right. is what I prefer, but one thing <laughs> I do really like is... Um, materials like IPS. Uh, so like I have a secondary monitor sitting next to my uh, setup right now. That's like mm -hmm. an old 60 Hertz. Uh, it is FHD, but it's not IPS at all. Um, and it is just so dim and, and dark. So I think like a nice build quality with a good material and at least 144 Hertz is the sweet spot for me. And for that, I'm willing to pay up to like maybe $200. Uh, so it's cool to see these monitors that offer more than that in, in a similar price point. And those, those are amazing points, uh, Michelle. And, and I love the fact that, you know, you know what you want. And, and the, the best thing for gamers to understand, especially for entry level gamers. And um, I think the most difficult thing is for parents who are actually trying to get their kids involved into gaming. Um, and which is great nowadays, especially with the boom happening and, you know, education systems actually pushing uh, kids to develop more uh, gaming 
environments. Uh, but basically, it, it all comes down to what kind of budget you have and what kind of system you have. And, you know, for us as a brand, you know, we try to educate the community as much as possible so that they understand these things. And, you know, some of the difficulties that do come with applying uh, technology, especially as technology is getting better today. But basically, you know, 1080p is a great way to start, um, you know, gaming specifically. Uh, we, as a brand, actually started pushing the more, um, the niche of 27 inch at a 2K perspective and at the refresh rate of, of 144 hertz. And we believe that, in, you know, as uh, technology does get better, uh, the standards are all always going to increase. So 60 hertz will start dying out. And whether you game or not, 144 hertz refresh rate is just unbelievable, you know, just to your eyes alone. And, and because of that, you know, the, the lower technology is going to die and, and higher technology is always going to become better. And then obviously as technology does increase, um, prices will go down on certain uh, specs, for example, you know, 2K resolutions, I believe, and 1080p especially has gone down so much now. And then now you see, you know, 4K is actually going down because, you know, you have, obviously you guys talked about HDMI 2.1, but, you know, 8K resolutions coming out, 10K resolutions, and we don't know where that's going to be in the next three to five years. But typically I would say, you know, uh, st for a starting gamer, an entry level between, you know, $160 to $200 would be perfect. Um, and this specifically is based on what kind of computer you actually have. And then from there, you kind of have to take it like, which kind of games do you play? You know, what do you want to do with this monitor uh, based on the setup that you have? You know, if you are an FPS type of game player, game player and you like the shooting, uh, the first person shooting, then obviously you want the fast refresh rate. And then at the same time, you want the low response time and, and Obviously, from there, you have to choose between the panel types. And then that's where it kind of gets a little bit more iffy because, you know, you have to sacrifice performance over quality. Uh, and then if you go into the middle, obviously, um, there are certain sacrifices you will also have to make in that variation. So, we, you know, we're talking about sacrifices and you, Pixio, is selling budget monitors. How do you guys get those um, budget prices and what, if anything, are, are you guys sacrificing where you're able to offer the same specs as some of the pricier uh, brands, but for significantly lower costs? So as a brand, we originally started um, doing a business to customer directly. So we, you know, we don't really sell to resellers and like other brands might have. Uh, and basically that's where we figured out, you know, we can actually offer these gaming high end, high performance gaming monitors at much lower cost than, you know, you know, big retailers, for example, as like Acer Predators or let's say the, the new Alienware series. Um, and from there, we actually also were able to cut some costs to provide a little bit more budget, uh, options to, um, our, or at least the gaming community, uh, by cutting off, um, you know, for example, you know, RGB may not be as something interested, you know, most uh, gamers uh, mount their piece, their monitors. So, you know, we bring out, you know, just basic stock stands that, you know, can help you cut the cost, but have us offer the same performance in terms of the gaming monitor at, at a little bit lower rate. Um, and as, as of right now, uh, we, you know, obviously the, the panel demands have been increasing and you know, monitor demands is increasing. So you can see typically other brands increasing prices where we kind of have stayed the same and trying to still offer, you know, you know, 
the most competitive budget gaming uh, experience that we can provide for all, for our gaming community. Um, so we talked a lot about high refresh rates. Michelle loves them fast and flat. And now, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I'm going <laughs> to say to you all the time now, by the way. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, but we are, of course, we have 360 hertz monitors now. Tom's mm -hmm. hardware tested a couple. Um, is there room in the Pixel lineup for something like a budget 360 hertz monitor? Is that even doable? Yeah, so we, we you know, obviously, you know, we are entering the market as a brand. And just to let, you know, everyone know and the viewers know, we are still a relatively small brand. Um, and we're hope with everyone's support that we become uh, a much bigger brand in the future. And at the same time, we'd be able to develop more uh, better brands and bring out more budget options for, for everyone. But we do have two more models that we are gonna bring out that's not actually available to display here today, but we'll have, uh, it is available on our website at uh, pixiogaming.com. But um, we have the PX259 Prime uh, currently uh, going to be released uh, in uh, early this earlier this year um, we're hoping around march or april-ish um, but basically this model is going to be our 280 hertz refresh rate 25 inch uh, ips gaming monitor um, and then the target price rate uh, is not still confirmed yet but uh, we're hoping to to release it around the the 299 dollar mark uh, which is pretty competitive compared to you know the next available a gaming monitor on that spec would be like maybe a hundred dollars more. So what about climbing all the way to 360? I mean, not, not, not well, <laughs> 280 is plenty fast. Right. 144 still offers great um, gaming performance, but what do you think about 360? And what do you think about well, the, um, the usefulness of such a high refresh rate as well? So I think typically it, it, it literally is up to the, the, the player or the gamer itself. Um, how important that feature might be or and then as well as what kind of game you play so obviously if you do play fps then that does matter but you do actually have to basically you're choosing uh performance over quality which is why you know like michelle has a 1080p but she's okay with that you know uh, but at this and you actually get better performance out of it so uh let's say any typical pro professional esports player especially in the fps scene um you know, one of the popular ones would be Shroud. You know, he's still playing on a 24, 25-inch uh, 1080p, 240 hertz monitor, maybe like from back in the days. Uh, and the reason being is because the smaller screen is what they need to see everything in a in a, an eye-to-eye -eye level. And at the same time, the refresh rate is important to him because he needs to see whether or not, you know, the movement of the enemy actually appearing at the right time uh, and as fast as possible. And as these specs increase, you know, to to be very honest, is is even 240 hertz is nearly impossible to see with with the human eye, if not impossible. And obviously, you know, the technology is getting better, so 360 hertz refresh rate will be there. Uh, you may not utilize all of it, but you know, to to be able to even use that, you're gonna have to have a, a pretty expensive gaming system um, to actually unlock its full potential. And at, at, for us at the moment, you know, we are looking into it obviously uh, because we are attacking the more budget scenario. Uh, it is a lot harder for us to bring out something like that at a, a more budget premium price, but you know, it's not off the table, uh, but we you know we are always looking to see, you know, more expansion. And I'm sure in the future, this might even hit like 
further down the like 500,000 hertz refresh rate. 500,000 hertz? <laughs> <laughs> you, you never know, you know, like we originally started like 60, 30 hertz was the max and then 60 came out. Then obviously from 60, it jumped all the way to 144. And now we have 240. You can't see anything at the 240, but now we have the 360s coming out. And, and this is basically technology getting better. And uh, I'm not sure if any of the game developers are able to use utilize that much, if not even the technology in. But obviously we saw uh, towards the end of last year, you know, with the RTX 3000 series being launched, like these things are, are possible now. Um, and I, I think, uh, in terms of technology wise, they are trying to push more, uh, quality and performance at the same time, but, you know, there is still a market for the high refresh rate, which is why, you know, they're still developing and still bringing out more and more high refresh rate, uh, monitors. You know, we've been talking a lot about high refresh rates, um, cause you know, I, that's what I prefer, but you know, especially if you play a lot of triple A, uh, you know, single player games, uh, you're not necessarily going to hit those uh, high frame rates. Um, right. What about you know higher resolution monitors? What is Pixio looking at there? Oh, the 8K budget gaming. Monitors. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to us, Maybe not that far. But... You know, we we get those questions a lot because you know we do focus on the budget side of things. Um, but at, at the moment, we're not typically super focused on, uh, you know, high eight, let, let alone 8K. Uh, 4K, we are um, interested in, and definitely we are looking to bring out a future model, if I can say at the very least, uh, in the 4K, 144 hertz refresh rate. Uh, but I mean, the, the one important thing here is obviously console, the next gen consoles do push this resolution and, and but does cap the refresh rate there because you are basically choosing the, the better image quality. Uh, and it's basically overall game experience for, for the user itself. Well, whereas PC gaming, um, you know, it's still not there yet. So you know, even HDR, I believe, you know, just started. Um, I don't think we are actually, like even the Windows pro OS processing that HDR into your game. There's a reason why you can only use HDR in either gameplay and um, you know watching things, but whereas you know you have just a basic desktop background or just Chrome, you can't activate HDR stuff like that, and and that's you know technology as technology does get better, you know we'll be able to incorporate that into into gameplay as well. But I feel like you know depending on what you do play, uh, a lot of people won't look for those resolutions. So if you're an FPS type of gamer, you won't need the you won't you wouldn't need it. But if the you know, PCN side of things or the console end side of things can actually keep up with, with that high uh, quality, then then yes, people will start turning a little by little to, to the higher spec displays. Um, so if you have a question for Kevin from Pixio, um, definitely drop it into the chat. We'll try to discuss it. Um, it looks like we have some coming in as I speak. Um, one from Javier mentioning the various new trends that have hit monitors um, over the past few years. Um, adaptive saying high refresh, um, HDR, IPS is definitely gaining popularity. What's going to be the next tech or trend to come? Um, so yeah, I'll throw that out there. I have a, a thought. I think you know we talk about um, its accuracy and whether it's oversaturated and things like that. But I think OLED is 
when that's going to mm -hmm. be coming. It's already um, found in many consumer uh, laptops, including gaming laptops. And at CES, we were happy to see LG's introducing one, an OLED PC monitor that's actually in a desktop size, like 31 and a half inches versus the massive 55 inch OLED gaming monitors that have been ready or have been available. Um, so I'm going to put OLED out there as the next monitor trend. Um, anyone else have a bet? No, yeah, that definitely is uh, one of the next steps. So basically, if, if you know, panel technology itself, you know, originally started with, let's say, you know, the CRT TVs moving to, you know, LCD to LED, and then you had the, you know, TN panels that came out. Um, and then from there, obviously, IPS did get developed. And then you also have VA that was developed. So uh, by Samsung. Uh, so basically, you know, the next trend is going to be who is able to make, you know, these panels, uh, you know, like uh, Sharon has said, on an OLED perspective, obviously, it's going to be super expensive. But um, other than that, I would say, you know, uh, quantum dot is the, the next future technology as well. It's, it hasn't entered, you know, the monitor side of things yet because, you know, TVs and monitors are different. Um, but I would say panel technology is one thing that's still yet to develop on that kind of scale. And then obviously you have, you know, the, the higher resolutions coming out. And if, you know, there is another type of sync technology, you know, whether it be in video or, or AMD, that would be another thing, another huge thing for it to come out as well. Well, um, HDMI 2.1 is offering a built-in adaptive sync where if you have a, you know, if you have a graphics card that is HDMI 2.1 and the monitor is yeah. HDMI 2.1, that'll just have its own adaptive sync versus an AMD or, or NVIDIA branded one. Um, so I actually did talk to, uh, to HDMI, the, the, the folks who make that spec about that, and if they see it replacing adaptive sync and I, or AMD FreeSync and NVIDIA G-Sync. And I guess their argument is, you know, those are so marketed as having extra features like fighting flickering and things like that, mm -hmm. where, you know, they'll continue to market it as the gaming necessary adaptive sync, whereas this is kind of like the HDMI 2.1 is kind of like your the essential level one adaptive sync. So that'll be an interesting um, space to watch how much we see that free sync, G-Sync advertising um, as 2.1 becomes more available. Right. Um, so like I said, Kevin will be here. So if you have any more questions, drop them into the chat. We'll try to get into it um, by the end of the show. But in the meantime, I wanna talk a little bit about some gaming laptops because as we know recently, uh, the next gen of gaming laptops with NVIDIA's RTX 30 series cards started becoming available recently. Um, but understanding the level of performance you're expected to get isn't really as easy as picking between an RTX 3060, 3070, or 3080. Uh, so Michelle has been doing some reporting for us. What's the story there? Hi, uh, sure. So recently for our website, you can read the full review. It's up now. I've reviewed the Gigabyte Aorus 17G, which was the first laptop we looked at with a um, mobile RTX 3080 card. Uh, and then a couple days ago, our editor in chief, uh, Avram Pilch, also reviewed the new Alienware M17R4, which is the second laptop we've looked at with an RT mobile RTX 3080 card. And the thing we noticed there 
is that there's a massive difference in performance between the two. So the Aorus, uh, don't get me wrong, it performed well. Uh, it performed on par or slightly better than the, uh, you know, mobile RTX 2080s uh, that we saw last gen at a cheaper price. Although when I think Ampere, I don't necessarily think the same, but cheaper, I think, oh, you know, the cutting edge, um, which we didn't really see until we saw our Alienware review. So like, if we look at Shadow of the Tomb Raider on the uh, Alienware, it got 103 FPS on highest settings at its benchmark, but the Aorus got 86 FPS. Uh, so the big difference between that is they're both RTX 3080s, but apparently NVIDIA is releasing so many different configurations of the RTX 3080 that it's not necessarily the same between each because you have things like different clock speeds and different right. wattages or TPGs between them, or is it TGP? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Total graphics power you're referring to, right? Yeah. Um, so we were looking at these, you know, cards. And if you take into account that NVIDIA is also trying to step back from the Max-Q branding, which we've covered on the website recently, uh, it becomes even a little more confusing. So like the Aorus that we were reviewing had 105 watts of TGB power, whereas the Alienware had 60 more watts. Uh, and the Aorus also uses Max-Q technology despite not having it in the name because NVIDIA has come to realize that when they introduced Max-Q, they were pushing it as, oh, get more out of your tiny portable graphics card. But now they're realizing, you know, the name has come to mean, oh, it's the weaker version. Uh, so, you know, there's still some doubt on what is what. And recently, uh, there's been a leak actually from a German website called Computer Base uh, that says it's gotten a hold of the list of uh, config specs that NVIDIA sends to OEMs. And there's 28 different versions of the 3060, 3070, and 3080 on there. Of course, this is all unconfirmed, but that leak led the Dutch website Tweakers, which is a pretty respectable source, to reach out to ASUS, which then confirmed, and it's even on their website now, the specific Ampere mobile configs that it's using in their laptops. And it had 11 different versions of uh, each of them, four, uh, I believe, unique RTX 3060 and 3080, and 33070. Um, so, you know, when you're looking at these laptops, you're going to want to be a bit more, uh, have a bit more scrutiny beyond just the name of the GPU that you're looking at. So what can people do when they're actually shopping and looking at different laptops to get, you know, an idea of a, like where, how much performance you can expect to get in general and how it would compare to another machine that perhaps has the same 3080. Like for example, well, I guess this is kind of a given, but we know that the Alienware M17 that we that you mentioned with really fast 3080 performance has a different 3080 skew than what's in 
the M15. So yeah, you might assume, you know, it's M15 versus M17, different performance, but as a shopper, you might see, oh, 3080, 3080, same performance. So is there anything you could do like in terms of looking at the specs or what the um, vendors show you to kind of understand what you can expect in terms of graphics performance? Sure. So you're going to be a little stuck if you're just looking at the store pages, depending on the vendor. Uh, some of them, like Asus, are publishing the clock speeds of their graphics cards um, and the TGPs that they have, uh, which is where you'll find the most uh, difference between these SKUs in the raw data. Um, but some like, you know, Gigabyte uh, and MSI are not quite yet. And uh, Max-Q is, uh, we're not 100% sure going forward how that's going to handle it. Uh, so when ASUS sent their list of um, different mobile Ampere SKUs to tweakers, they had Max-Q in the name of their different configs, but on their website, they've since removed it, uh, probably because that's what NVIDIA wants them to do. Uh, so there's a couple of approaches that you can take to finding out what specific, you know, mobile RTX 30 series card uh, the laptop you're looking at has. Uh, the one that we'd most appreciate, of course, is checking out the reviews on tomshardware.com. Hey. <laughs> But uh, aside from that, you know, if you're looking at it in store, uh, they prop, which is difficult right now, um, and you might not be able to, but if you look at the NVIDIA control panel and the system information, you can find things like uh, whether it uses Max-Q and what the TGP are just there. Um, aside from that though, I think for right now, just because it's so early, you're going to have to look at the sort of benchmark results that uh, people are like us are putting up. Yeah, and just to kind of quantify this a little bit, um, NVIDIA says it's 3080 mobile card, um, can have a TGP of 150 watt plus, like literally 150 watt plus, and that alien we're referring to is at 165 watts. So that gives you a little bit of a, a scale there. Um, Kevin, I'm interested in, in your take, you know, as someone working at a vendor, you know, specs in general is supposed to give the shoppers an idea of, you know, what they're buying and what they can right. expect. So, mm -hmm. you know, how does Pixio approach this? How do you guys, you know, what do you do in terms of transparency with your shoppers so they have realistic expectations of a monitor they buy? Right. So, like, one of the things is um, obviously for us, for gaming monitors itself, it, it's the technology here is no longer plug and play. So the graphic cards do, do mean a lot. Your computer system itself do mean a lot. And now, you know, the transition between, um, you know, PC gaming and actually, uh, or desktop gaming to mobile gaming and laptop gaming is, is the demand is increasing because the technology is getting better. And obviously, you know, a lot of people want to play on the go or whether they want, you know, a, a more minimalist style, uh, on their, on their setup. Uh, but in our, in my personal opinion and professional opinion, I kind of see it more like, uh, First, you kind of choose which brand you want to go with or which, which vendor that you want to actually buy from. So if you're like heavily uh, in favor of, of, of Razer or, or let's say MSI and all these other brands that do make these gaming laptops, um, the thing is the technology between them is, is not going to change too much, especially on the graphic card side of things, because most of it does come from 
NVIDIA itself. So you're going to have to choose, uh, you know, based on, you know, what kind of brand you do prefer. And then obviously, you know, Tom's, you know, reviews help a lot. So something from Tom's hardware, who, you know, if Michelle has reviewed something, those inputs are going to be a heavily favored for, you know, the buyer to actually decide whether or not they want to try it out. And then from there, it comes with a lot of education to yourself. Like, for example, you know, you guys were talking about TGP and, and, and the performance and the wattage. You know, you need more power, the stronger your setup is going to be. And then depending on how you play the game, you know, you and the, the settings that you set for these games, you have to find out how to optimize your, your setup to play, you know, at the level that you want to play it. And obviously, if you want more from it, you're just going to have to spend more and maybe get a better system. Uh, but overall, I feel like, you know, the 3000 series itself, you know, tremendous, tremendous in increase in performance and quality from, you know, the, just the RTX 2000 series alone. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be more of a take on what you want to get and then on what you actually prefer here. And then just from like a general laptop, gaming laptop buying, perspective, there are some other things you're going to have to factor in when you're looking at your expected graphics performance, like, you know, what CPU it's using, um, what right. sort of cooling is implemented. Alienware is known for having big, robust machines, right. heavy duty cooling to really mm -hmm. help keep those frame rates high. Whereas if you get something like a more compact gaming laptop, which you're getting more uh, popular, you're not going to get that same level of cooling. And so your frame rates might be a bit lower. So those are also exactly. things. Right, especially when you're comparing uh, across brands. Um, the Alienware that we looked at has an i9, where the Aorus has an i7. You know, we're looking at a 20 FPS difference, so I don't think it's all in the CPU. But again, it's mm -hmm. not necessarily apples to apples with each, right. and certain brands are known for certain things. So even if um, the different you know, mobile RTX SKUs are a little, you know, in shadow right now. Uh, you know, if you're looking for good cooling and top end parts, you're probably going to get that from something like an Alienware. Uh, if you're looking, you know, for pure performance um, over everything else, you know, maybe go for MSI. So, you know, you also have to look at brand, um, you know, reputations, I guess. Right. And, and also, I think I'm glad that we have Kevin here. You're also going to look at your needs, right? So right. this Aorus that we have, uh, the other big feature that it has that's new to the Aorus line is it has a 300 hertz screen, right? Right, exactly. So what you're going to use that for is probably things like first-person shooters, mm -hmm. which are competitive games and don't maybe need the highest graphics power. You're still going right. to want, you know... A strong GPU to push out a ton of frames, but you don't need to worry about, you know, ambient occlusion or a ton of shadows or, you know, the prettiest, you know, ray tracing. Right. right. And I believe the in terms of aesthetics, um, the Aorus models are a little bit more sleeker, and then the Alien model models are, like you said, are more robust. But at the same time, uh, more people, I believe, play on the Alienware laptops. Uh, instead of using it as like a more portable feature. So they just you know have it at home. That's their setup. Yeah, like plugged in all the time. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And then well, a lot of gaming laptops will start 
crying and begging you to plug it in if you try to game. Right. I've had this, one thing that I will point aside from the graphics uh, card, I've had this Aorus sitting next to me the whole call and I've been worried that like its fan has been leaking into my microphone because it has been like blasting in my ear and I just have it sitting on its, on its um, you know, desktop right now. I actually can't hear it. That's yeah, wonderful. I, I don't know if that's a, a, a pro for the Aorus or a pro for the Blue Yeti microphone I'm using, but. <laughs> it's, a, it's good for the show though, I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, also it just sounds like the best way to know, you know, that you're getting what you're getting, like Kevin said, and I'm not being biased, is definitely to check out the reviews because that's the only way you get hands-on right. experience and numbers. And some vendors will share their their benchmarks, but obviously, you know, you got to take those with significant grains of salt because they're trying to push their own products. Um, so it looks like we have um, some questions um, in terms of monitors. One from Michael Michalski. Um, refresh rate is the one thing. Is there an LED technology that can deliver high refresh rates at a moderate price? So Kevin, we spoke earlier about a potential budget something like 360 mm -hmm. hertz monitor one day. Um, what sort of panel, do you have any thoughts on what sort of panel technology would make that realistic, what you lean toward? Um, I, I'm not aware of what kind of panel is being used uh, specifically for that 360 hertz refresh rate model, but you know, currently there are three types. Um, there's the IPS in-plane switching panel technology. Uh, you have the, the original uh, twisted pneumatic uh, tech, panel technology, and then you have the vertical alignment um, panel technology. And basically, you know, for as a consumer or as a gamer, you want to know these three things. And these three things are important because um, the values on these different type of technology are, are different and um, and the demand is also dim different right now, especially uh, for the twisted pneumatic, which is basically, you know, the one millisecond uh, G2G response time if not faster, and it's the fastest panel uh, that there is in the market today. They're heavily favored for, you know, first-person shooting gamers. And but the thing is, this is very old technology, and it's slowly dying. And the demand, uh, and this technology is changing, which is why you see less of these type of uh, uh, gaming monitors out there, and then more of these IPS types and vertical alignment types coming coming out. And um, you know, even for us, we actually only currently only have one of those uh, twisted pneumatic paddle technology displays out uh, called the PX278. And they're still heavily favored. It's just that this, um, you know, especially with, you know, the fast IPS technology coming out, you know, is kind of diminishing those values. And um, people are trying to, or actually, I guess, brands are trying to, you know, bring out the best quality and best performance out of these panels now. So, um, if if we were to bring it out three the 360 hertz or anything faster, it would be most um, apparent in a twisted pneumatic panel technology. But uh, just to let you know the viewer know and make you may know like the technology is getting better, so IPS is catching up with this. And in the future, something else might call, come out, and they might call it something else. You know, like the OLED technology being able to do that. But obviously, the, the better it gets, the more expensive it's going to be. Yeah, and for um, reference, uh, the 360 hertz monitors we've tested from ASUS and Alienware, those are both IPS panels, and okay. they're they're going they're seven hundred dollars. So right, 
<laughs> so imagine <laughs> the potential price um, price cut you can do if you could get it in TN because IPS comes at a bit of a premium. Um, right. We have a question from Javier regarding the, S most, the SRGB gamut. Um, he wrote, most applications are still using SRGB. When will more? Uh, when will the wide gamut? Uh, I guess he's referring here to DCI-P3. When will that be used more? I have a wide gamut monitor, and it's annoying to see so much saturated reds. Um, so the first thing I would say is, if you're lucky, your monitor will have an sRGB mode. Um, that's something we look for when we test monitors, because that will help you get the accurate um, color when you're doing things like looking at websites on Windows and playing a standard SDR game versus an HDR game. So that's one thing to look for. Um, I don't know when wide gamut is going to be used more though. Um, it's great for HDR and as HDR becomes more popular, there'll be more use there. Um, any thoughts um, from Kevin or Michelle and when we'll see more things rendered in that wider, more colorful gamut? Yeah, so, um, you know, the thing is the stand for it, Typically for panels now, you know, having a standard of sRGB 100% gamut is kind of the norm now. So, uh, whereas before it wasn't, but that is it, technology now is meeting those demands and expectation, especially from enthusiasts. As far as wide gamut goes, you know, this is specifically towards IPS technology. Um, and uh, basically what you want is uh, image quality and color reproduction. Uh, and you would be choosing quality here over performance, but you know, obviously now, uh, you know, monitor makers such as us, um, we are able to bring out displays that can do both. And uh, as far as it goes on terms of application, I would say it, it depends on 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 your your the game that, that you like to play. And in terms of actually calibration on these color stuff and the image stuff, it is up to the user. Um, each monitor will have a user-defined setting where you can actually change the color temperature between red, green, and blue. Uh, as far as wide gamut goes, this is heavily dependent what kind of panel that monitor is. So, um, you know, most branded mo gaming monitors uh, will will tell you, you know, what DCI-P3 percentage that the monitor or the panel does consist of. And um, obviously, the higher, if it does include anything over 90%, it is going to be more expensive. Uh, for sure. Uh, for example, you know, we do have a DCI-P3 95% displays, um, one of them which is called the PX, uh, PX7 Prime, uh, which is more expensive than our uh, PX277 Prime, which is basically a lower tier model of that model. Uh, but that focuses basically what gamers might need versus what, um, you know, content creators, uh, streamers, and maybe productivity uh, people might be looking for in terms of that wide color gamut. And then at the retro, at, also at the comparison for that is, um, let's say Javier, you like to play games that are uh, more single player engaged, uh, where you want to have that visual experience, you know, then it does matter uh, what kind of uh, white color gamut that it has, and you want to look for that type of gaming monitor specifically. Yeah, we find that some gamers actually like that oversaturation. Um, our testing has found MSI monitors to kind of lean, a lot of MSI gaming monitors to kind of lean toward um, that oversaturation of the reds, um, like Javier said, because they're kind of leaning toward P3. Um, right. Here's what you think, Michelle. Do you like when your games look oversaturated with, with color, or would you prefer just to be accurate? I think 
You know, I have a history. I went to grad school for game development, so I kind of like seeing what the developers intended. But of yeah. course, you know, it's your game. It's how you want to play it. Death of the author, etc. Right, um, right. If you enjoy the oversaturated experience, uh, I think that's um, that's perfectly valid. Uh, <laughs> That sounds really condescending, but um, <laughs> I don't know what you mean. I think I, I like to see the the whole variety just because I like seeing you know what the artists were seeing when right. they were making the assets. Right. No, and that that's a valid point because you know, uh, you know, some to some people it might not affect them as much. So, for example, someone like me couldn't tell the difference between so over a color saturation between the reds, green, or the blues. So, you know, typically for someone like me, we'd be able to use it and not know the difference. But you know, for Javier, it it, it does affect you. So from here, it's actually up to you whether or not you want to change these uh, settings uh, using your user-defined settings. And then from there, you can actually take it another level. Um, Obviously, not everyone is going to be able to afford to do something like this, but basically you would do an ICC color profile. Um, some reviewers do provide these for your specific panel type. But one thing to be uh, aware of is that, you know, panel uh, technology, each individual panel is different. So if you have one game, one monitor and you compare it to the next monitor and they're identically the same thing, they, they might have different uh, color representations. And this is just a manufacturing thing. And then from here, you actually would be able to color calibrate these to, to make it identical or as close as identical as you can, but never going to be like 100% as, as identical as, it, as you want it to be. And then from there, you, you know, then it typically depends on, you know, what kind of person you are and, you know, whether those things do matter to you or not. And then if it's harder to calibrate things, you know, it, it does get a little bit more, annoying i would say um and then most consumers like to either figure out a way to calibrate those settings on their own you know and then there's also consumers who would return that specific product and try another monitor and that monitor might actually be better for you you know that's just a choice that you know each consumer is going to have well, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who's been watching. Um, if you've had fun, please show us some love by liking Tom's Hardware on Facebook, liking this video on YouTube, and maybe even subscribing to our YouTube channel. Um, if you're a podcast person, you can also download each episode of the Tom's Hardware show as a podcast. Um, so thanks so much to Tom's Hardware writer, Michelle Earhart, for coming by. And a big thanks to Kevin Park from Pixio. Any last words for the viewers, Kevin? No, uh, thank you. And uh, if you don't know who we are, uh, please visit us at www.pixiogaming.com. And, you know, we are just a bunch of gamers that want to help, you know, the gaming community grow. And, and you know, we, we love gaming. So uh, please feel free to check us out. Awesome. Well, that's our show. We'll see you next Thursday. Thank you, guys. Thanks for